2: I like to look at what people are doing on their phone. And there was a woman like playing Scrabble and she was walking really fast. Like she walked past me, looking at her phone. And I was like, what could she be doing? That's so important as she playing Scrabble. So good for your soul is like anything that avoids being in that situation. Like, you know, being engaged in the world shouldn't be something that you need to sort of convince people like, well, what's the payoff?
3: Welcome to The Road to Somewhere, where we talk about exploration, adventure, major life change, and transformation It's about not necessarily knowing where we're going, but having the faith
4: that the journey will be worthwhile. I'm Lisa Oz. And I'm Jill Herzig. And um, so you out there can picture us. We are sitting in this tiny room that is completely insulated at CDM Studios, um, recording, and one of the things that is necessary to record well is that there be no extraneous sound. Of course, we leave our phones outside. There's like an airlock. It's almost like being an astronaut and you hear like a sucking sound when they close the door. You're you're in here. And I have to say, I don't know how you feel about this, Lisa, but I find it incredibly peaceful in here once that door closes. And so, so much easier to focus. Yeah. No, I love it.
3: it. It would be a really good place to take a nap too. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> you know, no distractions. Well, I want to talk about distractions today. Our guest is maybe going to help us bring that calm that we feel in, in the this, airlock. Yeah, in the airlock <laughs> into everyday life. So we are joined today by the senior writer and columnist for Marker by Medium. He is a writer for The Atlantic, NewYorker.com, The Boston Globe, Bloomberg Business Week, and way more. His newest book, The Art of Noticing, 131 Ways to Spark Creativity, Find Inspiration, and Discover Joy in the Everyday Wow. Rob Walker, thanks so much for being with us today.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me.
3: We are thrilled. All right. So tell us why now? What is it about our crazy society that necessitates your um, encouraging of noticing?
2: (laughs) Well, the project actually started a little bit before now. I mean, it, it started with something that I probably don't even need to explain to you or your listeners, which is just this general frustration with feeling distracted all the time and feeling like, in addition to the traditional modes of advertising and things that are trying to capture your attention, like now you have social media that's trying to capture your attention and alerts on your phone and all this stuff that you know about, right? And it, this was affecting
4: you personally. You were you were feeling sure, this attention sure, attack. and it, I
2: mean, like any, like everybody else, right? I mean, I think everybody's dealing with this on some level, and everybody's complaining about it all the time. <laughs> and uh, I was frustrated, and so I, actually, the book project, as a project, it kind of started out being. You know, about the problem and why the society has developed this way and how bad it is and so on and so forth. And it was like, you know, I was kind of envisioning 290 pages about the problem and then at 10 pages at the end about here's some fun things you can do to try to, to try to break away from that and give yourself some respite. And then I finally realized after floundering around on that for a year or longer and just basically not working on that book at all. Um, that I didn't want to write it and I didn't even want to read it. I just wanted those last 10 pages. So Hmm. I decided to flip it. And now the first 10 pages is like, here's the problem, but you already know it. And then it was just this long series of, my editor doesn't like the word assignment, but we call them provocations, (laughs) exercises, games, just fun or workable things you can do or think about that... um, that give you a break from that attention economy thing. Because that's the other thing that frustrated me about the way people talk about that subject is that the relief or the rest, the, the remedy always seems to be, um, you know, throw away your phone or the digital sabbatical about denial of something as opposed to giving people something uh, positive that they can embrace and do and have fun with.
4: As opposed to don't do this, stop doing right. this. Right, e- exactly. It's, all on, it's on you, you're addicted, you're...
2: Right, right. It's a little it was blame all me, about isn't denial. It? And first of all, that's a bummer. And second, it's not realistic. None of us is going to throw away our funds. Like for professional reasons, you can't just like. It's very difficult to say. Oh, I'm just going to. I'm just going to be cut off for a month. Like hardly anyone can do that. So it's true, uh, and it kind of makes in- you feel
4: even worse when somebody instructs you to do it. Because then right. you think what is it about me and my ridiculous life that I can't
3: Well I didn't right. get the feeling that you were prescribing throwing away your phone and I think No, no, it no, was, no I'm not. Right. No, it felt more like you were just encouraging curiosity, like yeah. you are driving people to be, to look around them and to engage with the, even on their, I mean, honestly, you could play some of the games you have on your cell phone rather than in the world, around way better in the world around you, you but if you want to notice like how, you know, what the colors are that they're using, just, it's just about being awake and aware and noticing and being curious about your environment. So, yeah, yeah. so talk a little and, bit about what kinds
4: of exercises, so... Yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah. Totally so gets one it. of the
2: ones I talk about at the beginning of the book, because it was kind of a, the formative one for me that that kind of helped me have that epiphany that I wanted to pursue this direction, um, had to do with um, I call it the one object scavenger hunt, which is just like as you're going through your day, pick one thing and just look out for it wherever you go. And in this case, I did. I chose security cameras. I was on a trip to San Francisco, a city that I've been to a bunch of times, and I wasn't really going to have chance to be you know a a real tourist and go to attractions and things like that but I wanted something to kind of just change up the way I was looking at the city so I and my one criteria my one parameter was um, something that no one wants me to see per se Uh, so security cameras but you could pick and it was really it was really eye-opening and just gave it was very fun it became a game like where are they what do they look like why are they placed the way they're placed (laughs) there are certainly a lot more of them than I ever realized once you start looking for them Um, are they kind of camouflaged or are they kind of flashy? Like they want to be used as sort of deterrents just became this other interesting layer that added onto the city. And there was no particular point to it. Now I did end up writing about it. I became for a while as a design writer about design stuff a lot. And I became sort of obsessed with security camera design, um, as a subject. Uh, but you could pick anything. You could pick a color, just look out for the color red or look out for certain kinds of signs or, um, you know, another one of the neighborhood watch signs or something I'm always looking out for. No loitering signs are fun to look for. Um, and, you know, what they say about the environment. And it just gives you this different... Um, it's a game, it's a ch- almost a childlike game that gives you a different way of taking in environments around you that, that you're in control of. And it becomes a, a, a thing to do instead of that instinct of like, well, let me just see what's on Instagram right now, you know?
3: The one thing I did when you talked about security cameras, one thing that came to mind is because a lot of the stuff you recommend noticing are kind of random, um, yeah. like security <laughs> cameras or you know uh, do not enter signs or uh, just or uh, just very random, seemingly random things, and. There's an exercise that I've done in the past where you look around. If you take yourself, you give yourself a few seconds to look around a room and count up everything that's blue, for example. Mm-hmm. And then you close your eyes and you try to list three things that were red. And you can't. You cannot even think <laughs> of the things that were red. So your what you notice determines your reality. So th- my world was a blue world when I was focusing on blue. And I sh- had shut out all red. So I'm just... Playing devil's advocate is: should you be more um, principled about what you're choosing to focus on, just so that that's your reality? Does that make any sense to you?
2: Sure, and I think that's a legitimate sort of you know process to think through as you're as you're sort of choosing how to deploy stuff like this, how how seriously you want to take it. My sort of step one goal is like anything. I would I would just say anything that's in the real environment around you is going to be kind of an interesting provocation over the reaction to what people are throwing at you through your phone, right? To see what's trending. Um, Sometimes, and you know, you can, you can, on one level you can use that almost as like a mental palate cleanser that is just like, it's like freeing up your brain. Like looking for security cameras isn't something that has a huge cognitive load. It like kind of gives you a chance to daydream a bit. And, like when I was doing that in San Francisco, I noticed a lot of other things just because my gaze was directed in an unusual like instead of going to the brightest, shiniest you know whatever flashing billboard i was my eyes were moving in this other direction, and so I was noticing other things and so it's, other it's businesses this was not, and stuff so is like it not that.
4: necessarily about sort of winning this game in terms of wow, I'm no. really super focused on the color x or security cameras or or neighborhood watch signs, it's more that you are outwardly focused, that you are seeking something in the real world and observing the real world, noticing, as you say, um, as opposed to being reactive all the time. Is that, am I I on the right track? Yeah, for sure, and
2: I think that last point is the most important to me, that I feel like um, uh, having control over your attention is just a win in and of itself. And, uh, one of the things that I was reacting to when I got interested in this topic, I was starting to teach. This book was heavily influenced by, I teach a class at the School of Visual Arts, uh, short, a short class called Point of View. And I'm always trying to get the students to, to notice what other people have overlooked. Um, and I think that there's a lot in our culture. The trending topic is the sort of classic example of this, is that what you should be paying attention to is what everyone else is paying attention to. And there are sort of logical reasons why that should be part of our lives, like evolutionary reasons. But if you take it to an extreme, and this is what I would see with students sometimes, is that they would feel like, well, if I've noticed this thing, but no one else is really talking about it, then I guess it's not important. And obviously that's a disastrous Uh, conclusion for a designer, but also for, you know, I mean, I'm a journalist um, for an entrepreneur like that's what being an entrepreneur is about is spotting something that other people haven't seen yet Um, and you can't ever really do that if you devote your entire attention to what everyone else is paying attention to all the time
3: When we come back, I want to explore the idea of taking that attention from our outside environment and turning it inward
1: Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
5: Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com.
3: Before the break, we were chatting with Rob Walker about increasing our capability for noticing our capacity, for noticing the world around us. But we can also turn that inward, that, that heightened awareness and that just ability to notice. Um, and you have a bunch of exercises that do focus on our inner life. One of them that I think um, is hysterical is the idea of imagining people touching us to see what it would be like if they almost touched us and what that feels like (laughs) that was kind of (laughs) one of my favorites can you talk about some of that inner noticing
2: yeah well so that would be an example of um so a lot of the prompts in the book are borrowed in one way or another from the arts or from you know uh from designers and things like this and that one I believe is an example I, I have this exercise called hunt the Infra Thin," and it takes just a little bit to set that up it does. The book does start with the visual things, looking for things, because I think that that's what we think of when we think of noticing. But then it does move into the other senses. There's stuff about listening and taste and smell and all that stuff. And then there's this other category, the sort of when you get to be next level, <laughs> <laughs> called the infrathin, which was a which was a Duchamp, uh, Marcel Duchamp concept, and it was things that are beyond the five senses. And uh someone almo like almost touching your like if you close your eyes and almost touch your nose <laughs> you're not that's not touch and it's not like it's something else it's and th- there are actual sort of scientific stuff that we go into in the book about the other all these fancy names that I can't do off the top of my head for these complex things that are not quite senses like the like uh, feel putting your hand near something that's hot and feeling that um and then Duchamp used the example of um the the feeling of the chair that someone else just got out of and that you're sitting down in, you know? <laughs> so and i love these kind of it sounds sort of esoteric and the book is intentionally built in a way where there are things that are very easy to do like looking for security cameras or there's one that's literally just like look out the window, look out a window that you've passed a lot of time like that's pretty easy that's a low bar of entry but some of them are more complex and they're meant to be more mental provocations, like trying to identify things that don't fit within the five senses. Well, like and a I feeling,
4: think, you said, yeah. identify a feeling. It's almost yourself. like your intuition, you're, you're tapping. It's interesting yes. to me that you. Your initial instinct was to call these assignments, and then your editor pushed you toward provocations, (laughs) which is like a word du jour. But Mm -hmm. um, our producer, Alicia Haywood, is a teacher. She teaches uh, journalism and is finding that um, she calls it the attention currency, that that basically her students—I hope I'm getting this right— have no sense of what they are spending their attention on, and she wants to make them much more aware. So she loves your exercises, the esoteric ones, the wacky ones, and the simple ones, too. Um, i'm I'm wondering the idea being that you are much more likely to find original thought and be able to focus and pursue. Um, but can you talk to us a little bit about the benefits? Like, how does this how does this noticing differently change the way we behave in our lives and the things that we're able to do?
2: I think there are a couple of answers to this. Um, and one of them goes back to what I was saying earlier, in, particularly in the context of education, with giving people, and I'm working with designers, but I think it's true in many professions, giving people sort of confidence in their own you know, intuition and, uh, and, uh, and senses, you know, their own feeling that where they're directing their attention is worthwhile and that, and that they should be true to that and not try to suppress it. Um, when I, I do sort of workshops with st- students outside of my own class, and I try to give them a, an assi- a prompt a day or two in advance, and it'll be things like, you know, just as you're going through your day, look for something that's out of place. Um, look for a mystery object, uh, find, you know, and then ideally solve what the mystery object is. Um, uh, find something that, uh, that find something I, the way I put it is find something to complain about, meaning look for a problem that someone Mm -hmm. should fix and then find something that, um, uh, people should celebrate and love, but they don't like, it doesn't get enough love. And this sort of set of like provoc, which are all kind of variations on things in the book, um, but this kind of set of provocations uh, is designed to, and like the benefit of it is to get us out of the sort of rut of just accepting what we see all around us without really questioning it or without having any uh, activity to it. Um, one of the other exercises that's in the book is change your route. Um, which refers to like, we all, many of us have some kind of commute. Naturally, you long ago figured out the most efficient way to get to wherever it is that you need to go. So you go that way every day. And that has become this thing that you no longer think about. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so every once in a while, part of what I'm trying to do is establish a noticing habit. But part of what I'm trying to do is get you to break certain habits or question certain habits because habits, while they can be productive, can also become ruts. And it just becomes a dead end to creativity. And you want to give yourself, like, you know how when you go on vacation, you go to a new place, all your senses are heightened. You're very excited. You notice everything, all the little details, and it's all fascinating. And you're just like, you're turned up to 11. So it's trying to give yourself that sort of strangeness in your everyday life that puts you a little bit, I don't want to say on edge, but on alert. Um, and makes you tune in and makes you feel like, hey, the world is an interesting place, there are interesting things in it. And you can apply that same thinking, ideally, to you know, however you solve a routine, whatever your problems are that you solve at work. Like, oh, we always solve this design problem in this way, but let's change our route and let's do it a different way this time and think about this old problem in a new way. So I think the benefits to that are um, very practical and kind of good for your soul. But that's a that's a whole other
3: <laughs> no that's a whole okay. other angle. you can't just stop there when you say good <laughs> for your soul that hello we got to go there tell us about how it's good for our soul
2: yeah well I mean the downside I don't want to tilt into sort of attacking technology because I'm not that's not what this is about but I do think that it's I was just I I live now in New Orleans and uh, I go to New York often and it really is true that. Um, that the number of people who are walking around Manhattan looking at their phone is really started to get out of control. And I was looking, I like to look at what people are doing on their phone. And there was a woman like playing Scrabble as she was, as she was walking <laughs> really fast. Like she walked past me looking at her phone. And I was like, what could she be doing that's so important as she's like Scrabble? And so, I mean, <laughs> So good for your soul is like anything that avoids being in that situation. Like you know, being engaged in the world shouldn't be something that you need to sort of convince people. Like, well, what's the payoff? I just think it's a it's a good. I think it's an, it's an unalloyed intrinsic good. There's a conversation I had during the during the putting together of the book. I, I did interview other people about their ideas for what would shake up their experiences, and I asked someone a productivity expert about, uh, what would you do? I just use this as a random example. I was like, what would you do if you had, if you're going to be in, let's say Cincinnati for 48 hours and you've never been, what would you do to like, you know, explore this new place that you'd never been to? And he said, well, actually I would just work in my hotel room because I don't care about Cincinnati. Oh. And I think that's a and like no offense, putting aside any dis to Cincinnati, I didn't say it. I'm just telling you what it's said. <laughs> it's like that's just a sad way of looking at the world. Like, okay, maybe that's you a don't little care soulless. about Cincinnati. I, I hear you, but you know, I think it's um, I think it's good to embrace the Cincinnati of wherever you are <laughs> and find out what's good about it.
4: <laughs> you know, it's funny that you talk about New York City and New York City etiquette. My sister has this interesting observation. She feels like. The sort of current level of incivility that we deal with here in New York City, and I don't like to diss us, I, I don't like to self-flagellate, because I think New Yorkers can actually, if you stop one on the street and you really sincerely ask for help, I think actually they'll lean into it
0: to a pretty extraordinary
4: true. degree, partly because they, they know your terror. They've been there, too. <laughs> um, but... You know, there is a lot of elbowing and abusing one another. And she dates it back to when people started wearing headphones all the time and really being able to successfully tune one another out and just focus on It's your phone. And feels like we stopped sharing communal spaces. We stopped being together in the places where we are together. And therefore the presence of other people in a packed subway car or on a street or anywhere is just a giant annoyance. It infuriates us and we react to one another with rage instead of just kind of that recognition of, yep, we're here. It's crowded.
2: And well, is it good?
4: (laughs) We're all here.
2: there's an exercise in the book that's kind of about this in some ways that came from Kenneth Goldsmith, this is an artist and a poet, and it's, it's Poeticize the Irritating. Um, and this was his argument that, and he's a very interesting, provocative guy. And uh, in this case, he was specifically talking about the experience of, he's a New York guy, of being on the street and like other people's cell phone calls that you're sort of subjected to. And it's the most annoying thing in the world but he said, no, 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 that's like spontaneous poetry. And you just have to sort of get in the right mindset and sink into it and enjoy it. And uh, it's this incredible free performance that's going on all around you. And I think of him whenever I'm in uh, the city, because just recently uh, in particular, there were two cell phone conversations going on within immediate earshot of me. And I was thinking, like, what an incredible performance this is of these two two guys who don't know each other and like it's kind of connected and kind of not connected. And so that's like, you know, again, I do face the question of like, well, what's the practical payoff of approaching life this way? Um,
3: Wait, don't tell us when we come back. You are going to be on the hook for telling us what is the practical advantage of approaching life
0: this way.
5: learn more at meaningfulbeauty.com
3: Before the break we had been teased with the practical application of this increased noticing and awareness and just and just reframing how we experience the outside world whether it's the art sounds or Tastes, or although we wouldn't recommend, you do recommend some crazy tastes, <laughs> some taste experiments too. Sure. But um, how does? What is? Wh- why? How do we benefit from opening yeah. ourselves up to the yeah. outside world and paying well, attention?
2: Two- there's the, the half answer that we've already given that we talked about the sort of, I think it's a boost of creativity and, and, uh, and, and, and.
4: Yeah, but now get really practical.
2: Yeah. So,
4: <laughs> but
2: <laughs> I, don't know, ah, creativity, gonna anti- I think it's going to be a little anticlimactic in the sense that like, I just think that you'll be happier. Um oh, that's such... not
4: anticlimactic. <laughs> that's
2: a pretty good practical payoff. There's so much energy put in. It's funny the way this works, that there's so much energy put into this sort of mindfulness and meditation space of like, and like the ritualization of that. And I'm all for all of that. But at the same time, I feel like it ends up becoming something that feels like, I mean, I don't know, I'll speak for myself that like I've experimented with meditation on and off for years. And it's one of these things where I always feel like oh, I'm not really doing it right, and it just becomes another thing that I'm failing at or, or need improvement on. Need to study, <laughs> but the, a lot of the exercises in this book. There's one about just listening, stopping, and listening to your environment for four minutes and 33 seconds, which is a reference to John Cage' uh, silent composition. That like that is meditation, but you can't do it wrong, you know. And it's just giving yourself permission to take a break. And to, um, that's why Poeticize the Irritating led into this, that it's, it is a little bit of a like, I guess a mental hack or something of just like transform a moment of irritation and discomfort and like, why are these people on the sidewalk ruining my day to like step back and say, actually, you know, these people on the sidewalk are fascinating in their way. I have a particular fascination with people talking on their cell phones in public because of the way, because of their body language, because they have the body language that is appropriate for whoever it is that they're talking to, not for the space that they're in. <laughs> and there's something, fa- like they'll be waving their hands around or making facial expressions, like they can't see you. I can see you. <laughs> and like, that is a free performance and it's fun. And I just think like, If you can take a moment like that and convert it from being a moment of annoyance to a tiny moment of joy and amusement and like catch yourself laughing at this moment that you've created just by power of your own engagement with the world, I don't see how that doesn't make your life better and why that isn't a a happiness win.
4: I'm so glad you mentioned that one because I've read that hearing just half the conversation is so irritating to our brains. That is why overhearing people's cell phone conversations makes us nuts, whereas, you know, you're walking behind somebody on the street and you're hearing them talk to the person next to them, and it might not distract you. It certainly won't bother you. But the half-conversation thing is what leaves our brain hanging and therefore what annoys us so much. And you've just given me a way to kind of outsmart...
2: I think you can that. lean into it. Yeah, yeah. You can lean into yeah, it, yeah. And, and you can speculate. You know, you can engage with it, and that's what Kenny is or Kenneth uh, Goldsmith is saying: is that instead of trying to tune those moments out, lean into them. And you know, uh, it's not always appropriate, but uh, but to, if you do that, if you can manage to do that one out of ten times, I just think it adds to the sum total of happiness in your life.
3: One of the exercises that I really. Found fascinating and you can use it with the cell phones I think you can use it with anything it was the whole, because it's engaging your imagination is approaching a situation from another perspective like you suggest yeah. a vandal or a <laughs> futurist or a historian can you walk us through I think vandal is the most fun but can you just walk us through how you <laughs> shift your perspective in order to change how you're seeing what's going sure. on sure
2: sure 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 Um, There's a range of those. Um, And yeah, so looking like a vandal is inspired, basically, I have a long time interest in street art and I've known a lot of street artists. And I would notice that the way way they looked at the world was that they were always like, oh, that would be a great, that like they'll point at some space at the top of a building off to the side, like that'd be a great space to hit, you know, like because it's blank, but it has high visibility. And I realized it was like a way of looking at the world. So, you know, then you start thinking about (laughs) one of my favorite suggestions I got was from someone who was like to look at the world like a bad guest. And this was his, um, he, he was just, and I'm kind of like this too. He, whenever he goes to a party or something like that, he's immediately looking for the exit. Like how, like if I had to get out of here, um, what would I I do? (laughs) And it's just a, you know, it's another fun way, but the, the most valuable one out of all of those in some ways is, um, so I'm glad you asked about this is look like a child, um, because, uh, I don't have, uh, kids, but whenever I'm around kids, I'm sort of fascinated by the, you know, fascinated by their fascination. Everything is new and exciting to them. They don't take anything for granted. A shadow, like anything can be kind of crazy. And this is an inspirational way to look at the world. There's a, there's a thing in the book about, you know, how, um, there's, there's a story that someone tells about taking his daughter to the mall. And she's walking really weird. And he realizes like, oh, she's doing that thing of like, don't step on the, t- on the space between the tiles, like only step on the black tiles, not the white t- or whatever. And that, that instinct that kids have to convert everything into a game and into like, a, like the world is full of awe and wonder, that can be inspirational. And instead of saying, hey kid, knock it off, you should um, try to emulate that. And like, how would a kid see this situation? It's a decent, it's a decent hack.
4: Yeah, no, I love it. It's funny when I was a little girl growing up in New York City, like kind of couldn't even. I think this was pre having decent language at my disposal. I walked all over the city with my mother, and I was convinced that the mica in the sidewalk was a magical thing that was happening just for the two of us.
0: That's the (laughs) sparkly sidewalk. The sparkly sidewalk stuff
4: that. You know, and I just walked along thinking, well, this is pretty great. <laughs> my sparkly world. <laughs> that my world sparkles when I step through it. And um, a little sad that I now realize that, that that's not No, the it's case. better.
3: Everybody gets sparkles. Yeah, the yeah. whole world
4: gets sparkles. With your yeah. students, do you notice um, because again our producer Alicia says that her students are at such a disadvantage this way. Are they is the you know, if you're talking about that young generation, are they just the most attention robbed? I'm not coming up with the right word, but.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I I hesitate to, I try to be really careful about, the whole, we're in such a weird moment around generational stuff. I don't want to start any fights. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think that they have for obvious reasons and, and the next generation after them will have it even worse. Like that, that there's just this um, set of expectations and uh, patterns imposed on them from the beginning of cognition uh, increasingly. But I have to say that I find that the responsiveness to these things is uh, off the charts. Like they're into it. Like I never have um I always I always when I talk to s- groups of students I, I always ask them questions to sort of make sure that like like hey some people think it's a problem that we're on our phones too much but do you guys think that and then like there's never any pushback where they say like no it's not about they're always like yeah we're looking for this exact thing and you know they'll get a payoff out of like I'll ask them like, what did you do? One of the assignments I have in my, my actual classes is is practice paying attention and that's the whole assignment. So they have to devise basically that to come up with one of these exercises. So they'll like, tell me about, I sat in the park by a tree with my phone off for an hour or whatever. And it was great. And they'll talk about it. So I think there's a receptiveness to it, but it's like, who's giving them a chance to do that? Who's encouraging them to do that? And the answer is, is not, not enough. (laughs) <laughs> well,
3: you're encouraging them and encouraging us. And I have to say, I, and I, just, I do think that these exercises are a way to almost like force epiphany, I guess, because it does change the way we see. So thank you so much for writing the book and for joining us today. We really appreciated having you.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. And I hope I didn't interrupt any nap that you were planning to
3: take. <laughs> now, we, now we can have our nap. But no, we're so
2: heightened from okay. from noticing everything, <laughs>
3: including your beautiful surroundings. Um,
4: <laughs> but thank you. Thank you again. Thanks again. So you should check out Rob's book. It's called The Art of Noticing, 131 Ways to Spark Creativity, Find Inspiration, and Discover Joy in the Everyday. The Road to Somewhere is recorded in New York City. Make sure to share, subscribe, rate, and review us. We would love to hear from you. Where are you on your journey? Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at pod2somewhere. And email us at Road Somewhere at iheartmedia.com. Special thanks to Alicia Haywood, our incredible producer. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on The Road to Somewhere. We're available on the iHeartRadio app,